I want to look this evening at Joshua chapter number 15. And I believe we'll start in verse number 16. Joshua 15 and verse number 16. Let's pray. Father, we love You. We thank You, God, for everything You've done for us. Thank You, God, for Your Word. And Lord, I ask, as, as the psalmist did, Lord, open Thou mine eyes, Lord, that I may behold wondrous things out of Thy law. Lord, I thank You for the promise of Your presence in the church. You said where two or three would gather in Your name, there would You be in the midst. And Lord, I have no talent, no ability. Lord, if I did have any, God, it wouldn't help these people. And Lord, we're not here tonight asking for earthly wisdom, but heavenly wisdom. God, You said that You'd give it to all men who ask and You give it freely and upbraideth not. So, Lord, we pray that You'd touch us as we look at Your Word this evening. And, Lord, I pray that You would help me to convey the burden that You've put on my heart. And, Lord, I pray that it would touch someone else's heart by Your Word, by Your Spirit. God, may You wrought work in the hearts of Your people this evening. We love You. We thank You for all that You do. In Jesus' name, Amen. The Bible says in Joshua 15, verse 16, uh, and Caleb said, He that smiteth Kerjath's supper and taketh it, to him will I give Aksha, my daughter, to wife. And Onithiel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave him Aksha, his daughter, to wife. And it came to pass that she came unto him that she moved him to ask of her father a field. So she lighted off her ass, and Caleb said unto her, What wouldest thou? who answered, Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a south land. Give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. Now, what the Bible has done here in Joshua chapter number 15, uh, during that first lockdown, the Lord put me in the book of Joshua, and I, I had plenty of time to devote to study. And uh, the book of Joshua uh, is broke up in basically three separate pieces. I, there's probably varying opinions on that, but as far as I'm concerned, there's three very distinct uh, sections in the book of Joshua. The first five books of, of, of the book of Joshua are dealing with their preparations to go into Canaan land. They're spying out the land, they're uh, crossing over Jordan, all of that takes place in the first five books or five chapters of the book, and then from chapter 6 up to, I believe, chapter 12 or 13, they're fighting with them. They're in there conquering the land. And then from chapter 12 or 13, they begin to go into these inheritances. And uh, honestly, uh, just reading it, 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 it's a lot of information that really doesn't make sense to us unless you start to look at a map. You won't know what he's talking about. And the inheritance that he gives to the children of Israel is very broad. He's talking about an inheritance and the borders are here and the borders are there. And he's talking about an inheritance that is going to affect hundreds of thousands of people. What he's saying in these chapters is very uh, general. He's saying it generally to everybody that is of the tribe of Levi, to the tribe of Judah, to the tribe of Ephraim. This applies to you. But then when you get to Joshua chapter 15, the Holy Ghost does something very interesting to me is he backs away from the 40,000 foot view and from the generalization of these inheritances and he takes a very microscopic look at one little lady named Axa. Amazing to me. Now, it doesn't surprise me so much that he would begin to talk about Caleb's inheritance or Joshua's inheritance. They're heroes of the faith. But before this evening, how many of us had ever heard of a lady named Axa? 
Uh, not very many people, people, very good students of the Bible have heard of this lady. Uh, but when I come across this, I had never heard of AXA. I had never heard any message on AXA. I mean, she is almost one of the least known people in the Bible, only mentioned twice in the entire Bible. But the Holy Ghost takes a break from this broad generalization of the inheritance of Judah and hones in on this one little lady named Accent, I think it's for a purpose. And I, I believe that the Old Testament is an illustration. Much of it, now it's absolutely true, of course. But what I mean is, as Paul said, these things were written for our admonition. I, the, the, the Joshua was written for me, but it was not written to me. What I mean by that is, I can't take what they did in the book of Joshua and go kill my neighbor and take their land. You understand what I'm saying? But we can make some... Uh, allegory. Don't be afraid of that word. Paul uses that word, but these things were an allegory for us. What I mean is, this is an illustration of a New Testament truth. There are New Testament truths that we find shadows and illustrated in the Old Testament, and I believe that's what's taking place here. We find this name, uh, this lady named Axel. And you can get to the book of Ephesians, you can get to the book of Colossians, but specifically the book of Ephesians deals very much with our inheritance. What we have in Christ. Those are the key words in the book of Ephesians. And it would it would do you very well to read the book of Ephesians over and over and over. As I read the book of Joshua, I was uh, compelled and thought so much of the book of Ephesians. This is the title deed to the promised land. The book of Joshua. These chapters are the title deed to the promised land. How many of us would own a piece of land but never read the title deed and to see I mean, we pay people to come out and set boundaries. We want to know right where the boundaries at and what belongs to us and what rights do we have concerning our inheritance and our properties. Now, that same thing the Lord has laid out a lot in the book of Ephesians, what we have in Christ. We have a lot of uh, boundaries that are set in the New Testament. We have a lot of promises that are made in the New Testament. We have a lot of uh, things that we can do, things that we cannot do. The parameters and the boundaries are laid out. And it's very much, it applies to everyone who is in Christ. That's very broad. That's very general, just like their inheritance here is broad. It's talking about all of the people who belong to the tribe of Judah. If you're in Judah, then this applies to you. The New Testament says, in Christ, in Christ. That's all of us who are in Christ. It applies to me. It applies to the pastor. It applies to everyone who's in Christ. But then, it's amazing to me that the Lord hones in on this one little lady. There are very general aspects of the Christian life, but then we all know it's a personal and individual walk. I have a personal relationship with the Lord. I don't have a general relationship with the Lord. And what's interesting to me about this lady is that within the promised land, the Bible says that she had a south land. That land means a desert. And when I got to study in the map there, did you know in the promised land, there's a big chunk of the promised land that's a desert. And, you know, we hear about the promised land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And it was. And, I mean, there's vineyards and there's fruit and there's all these wonderful things that we associate with the promised land. But Axa, she had gotten a desert. Her inheritance, what she received from her father Caleb, 
Her father gave her an inheritance, but it was a desert. And there was no water there. And how many times have we questioned ourselves and said, Lord, because it's dry where I'm at, because things aren't working out like You said they would, am I in the promised land? But I've got news for you in the perfect will of God for your life. That's what we're making an illustration of. God has some deserts even in the perfect will of God. God has some hard times for you even in the perfect will of God. We don't have to second guess Him. But if you are in His will, doesn't don't think that that means there's always going to be an abundance of milk and honey, an abundance of peace, an abundance of grace. Paul said this, that Jesus told Paul, my grace is sufficient. Now we, that doesn't mean abundant. That means it's enough. It means it's sufficient. We find Axa here who finds herself in a desert land. Now this is exactly what they left behind. Where have they been for 40 years? They've been in a desert. And don't you know that Axa had heard all of the good news about the promised land. She heard about the land flowing with milk and honey. She heard about the vineyards. She probably heard those stories of Joshua and Caleb toting those grapes out the size of watermelons and all these wonderful stories of the promised land. But when she gets to the promised land, she finds out that she's in a desert. And it doesn't look much different than where she came from. And she's just as thirsty as she's ever been. Everybody up in the northern part of the country uh, of the promised land, they've got mountains, they've got fields, they've got vineyards, and she can look to her neighbors and see how well they're doing. But her, she's in a desert. And she has something that she can do about it. How many times in our life, in my life, this happened to me personally. The Lord spoke to me out of these verses of Scripture uh, during that first lockdown that we were in there. We had not seen anybody saved. We had not seen any movement. We knew the Lord was at work. We knew we were right where we were supposed to be. God had moved miraculously to get us there. But we hadn't seen anybody move. We hadn't seen anybody saved. And I said, Lord, they told me Your perfect will was going to be milk and honey and all of these things. But where I'm at right now, it's pretty dry. And the Lord brought me to this portion of Scripture where Axa had this exact same problem. Now look at what she says in verse 19. Actually, let's look at verse 18. It came to pass as she came unto him that she moved him to ask of her father a field. She lighted off her ass, and Caleb said unto her, What wouldest thou? Who answered, Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a south land. The Lord sometimes gives us a desert land. The Lord sometimes, her father, Caleb, has given her her inheritance. This is where she's supposed to be at. This is the this is the land flowing with milk and honey, but it doesn't seem like it to her. And he says, Thou hast given me a south land. God, look, Father, you've given me a desert. Now give me also springs of water. In a desert, it's impossible to grow anything. It's impossible to live in a desert without water. There's really nothing you can do in a desert without water. You have to have water before you can live, before you can grow, before you can have all of the blessings of the promised land, milk and honey and a vineyard and, and settling down and raising a family. They had been nomads for 40 years. And imagine you've been walking for 40 years and finally God gives you a place where you can settle down and build a house, but they can't find water on the property anywhere. And He says, you've given me a south land. Now give me also springs of water. 
And He gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. The Lord spoke to my heart out of this. And I said, Lord, You've given me a south land. Lord, what You told me to do, I've done. Lord, I'm here where I believe You want me to be, but it's dry. We hadn't seen anybody saved. We hadn't seen anybody move. We were dealing with Moses, but he was running from the Lord. There were other people the Lord was working on, and the church was shut down, and everything had just went totally backwards. And the Lord brought me to this verse of Scripture, and I said, Lord, You've given me a south land. Can You give me also springs of water? And look at what He did. And He gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. He gave her the upper springs, and that nether means and the lower springs. He gave her literally springs on the top of her property and springs on the bottom of her property. He gave her the water that she needed to survive in that desert. And if God puts you in a desert, if God removes all of your comfort, all of your blessings, all of your joy, and you cry out for thirst, I've got news for you. He said, all who thirst, I am the water of life. And the Lord gave He gave her those upper springs and those nether springs, and the Lord burned that in my heart. I said, Lord, please give us the upper springs. Give us the nether springs. Lord, I can't save anybody. I can't convict anybody. I can't do anything here where You've put me. I have to have Your life. I have to have Your blessing. And it's not just the case for me and for AXA, but for you and for your families and for your ministries. God, we have to have You. We can't do it without You. And trying to serve the Lord without His blessing, that's a desert land. But the Lord in my own life, He began to open those upper springs. And I liken those to those heavenly blessings. The Lord began to move. The Lord began to save. We've seen Moses finally surrender to the Lord and Ronald and Flavia. And we had some teenagers. And the Lord began to breathe on our church and give us the life that we stand in need of. Not because we were worthy. Not because of anything we had done. But because He was our Father and we had asked Him. Our Father which art in heaven. We have a heavenly Father. And He is in control. And if you're in His will and He's put you in a south land, then you can go to Him and say, Lord, give me also springs of water. And the same Father who gave you the desert can also give you those springs of water. He certainly, certainly is our Father. You know what was so interesting to me? In the, in the Gospels, the Lord speaks up several times and says this, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And I can't remember the word it was translated from, but that word beloved Son, it, that is only used in the Gospels speaking of Jesus Christ. When you find that word, it's reserved especially for Jesus Christ. But after Calvary, you get into the book of Acts, you get into the epistles. You know, he says, Paul, a beloved brother. Timotheus, a beloved brother. Agathus, a beloved sister. That word beloved is used like 60-something times. Not what was reserved for Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. My beloved Son, only for Christ in the Gospels. You get to the New Testament, you get to the epistles after the Calvary. Now we have applied to us the beloved brethren. We are the sons of God. He has given us the power to become the sons of God of God. And we have a Father in heaven who's given us this inheritance that's in Christ. He's laid out the boundaries. These boundaries we'll never ever search out. 
Imagine you had a million acres. You would never, ever walk those million acres. You might could fly over it in an airplane and get a pretty good generalization, but you could spend your entire life walking out in that thousand or million acres and trying to explore it, trying to find it out, trying to find the streams, trying to find all the things that are in it. And God has given us an inheritance that's even greater than that since in Christ. We can spend our life finding our inheritance in Christ, exploring what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And I promise you this, you're going to run up on some desert places. You're going to run up on some hard times. But as well as hard times, as well as deserts, the promised land had springs of water. And when she got those springs of water, don't you know that desert came to life? She brought those, I'm sure she brought those animals in. They could have watered things. They could build a house. They gave, he gave her what she needed to live in the desert. Not only live in the desert, but thrive in the desert. God may put you through some hard times, in some hard times, but he's got some springs. He's got some heavenly wisdom. He's got some heavenly peace. He's got some heavenly power, the upper springs. And he's got the nether springs. And I, I, I'm not, I, I hope, I, hope I'm, I don't sound boastful this evening, but the Lord began to work in those nether springs. I liken those to those earthly blessings. I, the Lord put a burden in my heart for Bibles. I didn't even understand it. I said, Lord, it's such a big burden. I don't even know where to start. You just have to do it. And a few months later, I got a call from a man in Runoke where I live, Brother Shannon Matt. He said, Brother, the Lord's been dealing with my heart. I've got to send a container load of Bibles to Uganda. The Lord sent us like 50,000 Bibles. The Lord gave us a property to get in. The Lord started opening these physical doors. He can open the upper springs. He can open the heavenly power that we stand in need of. He can do those things, those spiritual, powerful, heavenly things that we have to have to serve Him. And He can open those little doors. He can open those nether springs. He can open up doors of opportunity. The Bible says that He can open doors that no man can close and close doors that no man can open. We serve a God who has everything that we need. And it doesn't matter where you're at. He may have put you in green pastures and everything's great. And, you know, I, 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 would, I almost feel sorry for people who've never been in a desert. I almost feel sorry for people who've never passed through hard times because they've never known the help that the ones that have that's passed through it to know how He can turn a desert into an oasis, how He can give those things that you stand in need of and build your confidence in Him. Brother James, I'm done this evening. Thank you, brother.